Facebook famously determined that if a new member invited 10 friends within 14 days, they were hooked for life. So they focused religiously on driving the user experience to this key metric. If you apply this product-based approach to B2B sales, then you can identify those users that are ready to talk. And this method is known as the Product Qualified Lead, or PQL. So if you sell in a freemium, open source, or trial model, then the PQL method is critical to give your sales team visibility into who is ready to talk. So talk to your data team, or better yet, partner with Whaler's team of data scientists to develop a PQL model tailored specifically for your business. You'll be empowered by knowing exactly when a user is ready to convert. To see specific examples, go to getwhaler.com forward slash Andy. That's G-E-T-W-H-A-L-R dot com forward slash Andy. And as a bonus, if you sign up to learn more about Whaler and PQLs, then Whaler will send you their optimized two-page master services contract that you can leverage for your own business free of charge. It's time to accelerate. Hi, this is Andy. Welcome to another edition of Frontline Friday with my regular and very special guest, Bridget Gleason. Now, before we get to the show, Bridget and I have a favor to ask of you. We really appreciate it. If you took time right now to leave a review for this show on iTunes, and while you're there, click the button, subscribe to Accelerate, make sure you get Frontline Friday automatically each week. Also, we need to hear from you. More specifically, we need your sales questions. I mean, what can we answer for you? What challenges do you have that we can help you with? So go to accelerate.fm forward slash frontline and enter your question there. Each month, we're going to select one listener's question to be the question of the month. And the winner will receive a $50 Amazon gift card. So remember, go to accelerate.fm forward slash frontline to give us your question and maybe win 50 bucks. So Bridget, how are you today? Hello, Andy. Hello, Bridget. How are you? I'm good. I'm relaxed. I know. You just got back from Hawaii, beautiful Hawaii, and now you're struggling, suffering in San Diego. I feel for you. Well, just struggling coming back to reality. Yeah, it was two weeks because I don't get a two week. I haven't taken two weeks off for a long time. And did you take the two off? Uh, not entirely. In the first week in Hawaii, I, I, I was working on <laughs> a deadline I had to meet. So I was, I was doing some writing. Um, but then the last eight or nine days was completely off. I mean, really disconnected in a way I haven't been disconnected for, for years. And, uh, yeah, that was nice. That was nice. So good to do that. So good to do that. I need to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't take any calls. I didn't, yeah, I didn't do anything. And, it. um, and I rarely checked email. <laughs> I, mean, I, was, it mm. was, I was really disconnected. Um, that sounds so great. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I still did more than people that really disconnected. But but um, yeah, yeah, it was. And I think that it was great. And so we had a great time. I mean, it's hard to not have a good time in Hawaii. But um, yeah, we had a great time. And then, yeah, just reentry has been hard. It's always hard. You'll be back into the swing of things before you know it. Yeah. Yeah. Not that it didn't cross my mind about just staying there. <laughs> I can imagine. As I my, can imagine. As my wife said, you'd, you'd like to just stay, wouldn't you? Of course. Of course. Of course. Who wouldn't? Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, it was nice. Weather was gorgeous. We escaped any sort of meaningful rain, except one day when we were taking a hike, it, it rained on us, of course. Um, but other than that, you know, tropical rain. We were dry by the time we got to the car, practically. Well, is that what we is that what you want to talk about on the podcast today? <laughs> Wait, let Make me. The rest of us jealous. Let me get my slides. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pull out the slide projector. Yeah. Family photos, the old movies. Yeah, I think my wife posted everything on on Facebook. So, um, most of which were f- our first week. We were joined by my wife's daughter and a friend of hers, and and uh, pictures mostly of them. I, I get a few. The second week, my wife and I were on her own, and and uh, yeah, I she had it. no choice. She had no choice but to photograph you. There was actually, no one. That, there was actually, no one else. There's one picture of me in the distance somewhere. So, okay, but she all had, right, there you go. She had a lot of good shots of foliage and sunrises and sunsets. Job well done. So, hey, this is a milestone. This, for our loyal listeners, this is the 100th episode of Frontline Friday. God, amazing, amazing, amazing. 100. 100. So, literally, two years. Wow. Almost two years, almost to the date. Wow. that That our first one aired. So, not only have we been... A model of consistency. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's one thing we've been a model of. Maybe that's the only thing we've been a model of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I Anything think, else? Yeah. I think, uh, was it Emerson that said uh, consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds or something like that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> or a, fool of, a foolish consistency, I think he, he called it. Okay. That's good. Hobgoblin. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought we'd talk about, okay, two years. I mean, Lots changes in two years, or can change in two years. So I thought we'd talk about okay, what what's changed besides the fact you've, you're in like your fourth job since we've <laughs> since we started talking. Not fourth. I'm just kidding. I'm just giving you. A hard no, time. no, no. But probably maybe the third. <laughs> Not well, fourth, Andy. The third. <clears throat> okay. Actually, I think it's just your second. But uh, Either way, that's what no, you, no, no. That's what I forgot. You, no, that's right. It is your third. That's right. I think it is the third because I think third. when I you were at Yesware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was third. at Yesware. No, did we start when I was at Yesware? Yes, or maybe you had just left. No, no, no. I think I was at Sumo Logic. I think this is number two. Uh, number two. Okay. I think it's number two. Anyway, <laughs> okay. So that seems huge, like but number I've four. Stayed, I know it's, I, but I've stayed in the same uh, industry. Yes. So that was deliberate. Okay. Yeah. So you've changed. Yeah. I mean, anything else about you changed? I mean, well, Boston. I'm in Boston. You're in Boston. Back in Boston. So uh-huh. you're, you're happy sort of, to be here. You're bouncing back and forth between the coasts. I know. I know. That's what I do. Not with the same frequency that I do, but still, you're you're actually moving back and forth. True. So, I'm trying to think, what else? Anything else changed for you? Well, what do you? What's changed? Let's think about what has changed in sales. Sales. What do you think has changed in sales? Well, I mean, like, is there anything? I mean, you talk to some. You you talk to a lot of people. You meet with these authors. What are the what do you what do you think has changed in the last two years? Uh, well, let's see. Big changes. One is we're certainly seeing a lot more automation and technology enter the sales space. I mean, there's okay. there's Continuing. more more companies now integrating. You know, I'll, I'll do. 
sort of in air quotes, you know, artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning, and so on. There, I mean, there are definitely elements of that being incorporated into products, and it's, and it's you know, being presented as tools that that uh, managers can use to help analyze what's going on in their businesses, help with analyzing what's going on in sales calls, and so on. Better. So, I mean, more technology coming into into play that that you know, quite useful technology. Um, certainly, we've seen the whole growth of the account based whatever account based sales, account based marketing, account based revenue, everything, account based revenue. You know, that whole thing has really sprung to life over the last couple of years. Um, now, those are two really big developments. Well, and I think with regards to the automation, um, it's it's becoming it, it's it's now not anything. It's not novel anymore. It's n- it's now a must have as opposed to a couple years ago. It was these were the new shiny objects out there. And now it's sort of a must-have for a lot of the sales teams. So I think the sales stacks have gotten yes. more sophisticated and solidified, and there's been some consolidation, I think. But it's they're not new and novel anymore. They're this is kind of what you got to have. Well, right. But to that that same point, as we've talked about on multiple occasions on this episode and or on Frontline Fridays, and I've talked about with other guests is. Yeah, we still have the same issue, though, that, that we're really just beginning to understand what the return on these these tools are, you know, an investment in these tools. Yeah, we, we must have them, but are they helping us close more business? You know, are they really ha- helping us transform what we do in a way that, that uh, enables us to grow faster or to close a higher fraction of deals than we would if we weren't doing it? And I think that's still up for debate. I don't think it's, we're yeah. not we're not we're not going back, mind you. We're not not like we're going to get rid of the technology. We're still going to use it. But I think what it really points to is is yeah, you know, this is an evolution, right? These are first, second generation tools to some degree. And yeah, I'm really sort of excited to see what what's going to happen in generation three, four, and five. Yeah, I think that's true. I don't. I I think it is a good question. What the return on investment is? Are we closing more deals? And at the same time we don't really have a choice to go backwards because the environments have changed. So you get technology that allows you and everyone to send more email, mass email. And boy, do we. And boy, do we. And so then you need tools to deal with that disruption. And then, so I think we're just, we just have these tools are sometimes necessary to mitigate the negative effects of a different tool or a different <laughs> technology that's that's uh, come into play, but it's not like we can say, ah, you know what? Let's not use them anymore because they're we're not closing more business. It's just uh, the environments that we're um, operating in have changed. Yeah, well, I think well, I think one of the the key things with the technology that, that we've seen, yeah, your point, absolutely right. You know, in the last two years, we've seen tremendous maturation of some of these tools and how they're used by organizations. And, and as I said, it's going to be really interesting to see how they evolve. But, but I think the part that, that I'm st- another part, I'm still excited to see how it's going to evolve is that we haven't really brought the customer into the equation yet, right? These things are all about what we're doing to improve our processes, but, but very 
few solutions out there saying, yeah, this is how we bridge that gap to the customers. This is how we make their job easier. And in the process, you know, we bring the two halves together. And that then truly could potentially revolutionize productivity and, and the performance of the individual salespeople. What would you, do you have an idea in your mind regarding what a tool or a technology would look like that would help the customer that they don't, I mean, I think the right now, part of what we put out on just the internet websites help the customer. Like, I think there are tools out there that are helping the customer tools that help customers compare airfares, for example, or like, so I think there are tools out there to help the customers. There are some, there are some, but, but, you know, we look at, you know, our sales development platforms, let's say, you know, it's all about selling. It's all about the salesperson. And it's like, okay, but where's, where's, where's the customer involved in that? What are we doing in this to make it easier for the customer to make a decision? And of course, we can say, yeah, we've got these sales enablement tools that provide content at the right to the salesperson at the right time to provide to the customer. Yeah, I get it, but I mean, I'm not, and I don't know, really know what the answer is, right? I'm just saying it's. I think it's the real opportunity that's out there. Um, there's going to be people smarter than me that figured this out, but you know, it's like we we have all this. You know, you look at the stack; it's all focused on us, 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 us. But you know, there's this other party out there. It's the buyer. Yeah, I'm just curious as to what that might look like. Yeah, I, 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 I is that the part for this person smarter than you? There are many people smarter than me that are going to figure this out. Yes, I know. I can't wait to find them. I, I always think that too, and I, I agree with you actually that I think that there is a lot of opportunity. Um, I think we are doing that. I guess maybe I don't have as much of an issue or see as big a gap as maybe you do. And it could be because the small, small mind that I've got. But I think some of the tools that help salespeople also help uh, help the prospect or the consumer also. Because if, if, if I'm now, if my sales tools are helping me only identify the people who are most likely interested I think that's helpful because it's it's putting me in touch with somebody that's a good candidate for what I have to sell that perhaps would benefit from hearing as opposed to the hundred others I might have called sure. who are really not good prospects. Mm-hmm. So I think I definitely think there's some help there, maybe not as uh, profound or as dramatic as is possible, but um, I think we're getting there. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I even look at things you like, content management systems or sales enabled systems, you know, they're really focused on content management, asset management. And it's like, yeah, we, uh, yeah, we are being as effective at those as we can because, you know, I was reading something online yesterday with, with some, <laughs> someone who's just saying, you know, this whole content thing is just going crazy. It's right. It's, it's gone too far. It's that, you know, as we create more and more content, just, you know, logic will tell you that the differentiation between the content we create is we create more of it's going to narrow. And so now, yeah, we've got this, all this content, but it's of decreasing value. Hmm. And, or, you know, it's sort of meaning it's me too-ish type thing and so on. And, and so again, where's that really then helping the salesperson? So I, I think, 
I think we're just learning how to use this. I said, I love the tools. We're just learning how to use them really effectively. And, and that is a process that's going to go on. So I think that's something we've seen change in the last two years is, is you know, how we use the tools. And that's going to continue to, to evolve with the existing tools and obviously the, you know, the successors as they come available. What do you think hasn't changed? Well, yeah, you know, to, to quote someone else I was communicating with online yesterday is, is you know, one commenter on a, a sales update on LinkedIn said, really? He said, you know, there's all these, you know, everything out here is, is all the same. It's all me too content, you know, about sales. And, and it was really, yeah, you know, you know, we can go down the list of things that are cardinal sins that salespeople should not commit that that we all do. And and this person's just making a comment as like, God, I'd love to see something new, right? And um, yeah, I, I think a lot of that hasn't changed. I don't think we've changed the conversation enough to sort of say, okay, well, here's here's what's going to be coming down the line. And while we understand there's some fundamentals about how people interact with people that that are basically going to be unchanged, they will be impacted by changes that are coming in technologies and and other things that that you know we need to start having more conversations about that as opposed to you know a thousandth article about how to give a good software demonstration or you know how to write an effective email subject line or you know, how to make sure you don't pitch before you ask a question. And it, you know, again, I could go down the, the list of, of cardinal sins. So I, I think we haven't changed the conversation about sales enough to prepare people adequately for what's coming. Hmm. Yeah, in some ways that's true. And in some ways there are some basics that don't change. Oh, sure. And, and I point out this person, those are still worth reading about. They're still worth yeah. talking about. But... Yeah, you know, the fact is, everybody does. So this person sort of is expressing frustration. It's like, yeah, I want to learn something. I want to learn something, but I, all I keep encountering is this. And yeah, that's true. And yeah, you know, we live in an age where technology enables anybody with a microphone, <laughs> any fool with a microphone like me, uh, you know, to produce a podcast and to supposedly be an expert. So you know, we've got expert inflation as well. Yeah, and that does make it hard for people to look and find it. who should I listen to? Well, us, for instance. Well, of course. Well, that's yes. that's let's that's the obvious. <laughs> Stating As, the obvious. That's true. We don't, we shouldn't have to state that to our audience. No, we shouldn't have to state the obvious. But but you know, yeah. I mean, I, who should they listen to? I don't know. We we start off at one point having more episodes where we talked about that maybe we'll reinstate that as part of a regular feature is just talk about who's, who, who's smart and who's worth following. Well, I think that's helpful. I think just being able to curate uh, some of what's out there, I think is, is, I, I think that's a good service. I, and we should do that maybe on one of our, maybe number 103 or 107 episode. We why, will why seven? We'll go. I don't know. I'm just making them up. Okay. But I think just, yeah, t talking about, um, yeah, what, what kind of what's out there. And, and I, like you said, I think that was our first, in terms of what changed, that's our first podcast. We're looking online and taking different pieces of sales advice that we read 
and sort of debating the merits, uh, debating the merits of them. Okay. Yeah, I think we can. We'll bring that back as 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 a regular feature. Just something to do. Some. Yeah, because I I think that'd be. Um, I, I know that that was interesting for me just to look at what's out there and to think about how does that. How does that register against what I believe to be true or what I've seen to be effective or ineffective? Yeah, we didn't name names because we did take no, the task no, no. a few. Right. And I will probably still stay away from that just just to be careful. Yeah, yeah, just be, to be <laughs> also to be respectful, you know? Yeah. So, um, all right. So, that's a great question. What hadn't changed? Yeah. You know, we sort of went through that. Um so what have you seen change? Because you know you do this more frequently than I do. Because you know, I'm a much smaller company. The ones you work for is in terms of hiring. Has anything changed on that front for you over the last couple of years? Well, I think what's the same. I'll start with that. Sure. Um, is great salespeople are always hard to hire because they're working. Mm-hmm. They're doing things. So that continues to be. That definitely continues to be a challenge. Um, so let me break it down. So they're hard to recruit. They're hard to recruit. Okay. Because what's their incentive to change? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're at places where they're, yeah, where they're happy and they're doing well or they haven't been there that long or they're, right. um, they're not really on the market, as they say. Right. So I think just finding them and getting them to respond to even hearing about a new opportunity is not likely. I mean, I, I know for me, I get a, lots of rec- messages from recruiters daily. I'm just, I don't respond. I'm just not in the market. I'm not interested. Right. So I think when somebody's engaged in doing something that they like, they tend not to look. Okay. So that's what's not changed. So what has changed? A- and you, you, you said uh, specific about hiring. Yeah. Anything? Um, well, and, and I, maybe this was this way before, and I just uh, wasn't aware of it. But I'm getting a lot of support from our um, one of our investors, one of the venture firms, who's invested in our company, mm-hmm. and they've got a team of recruiters that they have helping for some of our key positions. Super helpful, and partly because people tend are more likely to respond to to a venture capitalist firm or than they are to recruiter. So I didn't, I don't remember seeing that before. And maybe again, it was there and I just wasn't privy to it. So that's been really helpful. Um, what else has changed? Well, I mean, that's, that's an interesting ego stroke for the person being recruited. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. If the call comes from or an email comes from a VC firm versus a recruiter. Yeah. That, that would capture your attention. Yeah. So I, I've seen that. What else? Um, yeah, nothing. I, I think about the interview process. I would say another thing. And I, again, I don't know if it's just the situation I'm currently in or if this is actually a trend, but um, a, a very deliberate effort to go through, get somebody through the process in a shorter period of time. Mm-hmm. And Sometimes I push back, especially for more senior positions and say, I know that this is what we had laid out as the steps, but I, I sometimes need to step out of the script 
because I don't have enough info. I'm not getting enough info or I don't feel as confident or right. like I, I'm, I, or maybe it is going to take a little longer, but, and maybe I am going to lose some candidates, but I don't feel comfortable. I'm not getting everything that I need or haven't gotten everything I need. Um, well, for whatever reason. Sure. But I mean, think about that from a buyer's perspective. That's oftentimes when buyers don't buy all the reasons you just gave. I'm not getting the information I need in a timely fashion to make me feel comfortable to make the decision at this point in time. Yeah. And, and I guess it's really, I'm, I'm pausing because I think that's a really good observation and maybe for people interviewing, how do you make sure that the buyer or the person hiring is getting everything that they need. And, and I would say to be fair, and this also happens in other buying and selling situations, sometimes we don't know internally exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And we, we discover more of what it is we're looking for, not looking for as we move through the process. And sometimes we just don't know our, like I, I think for us here at Logs.io, our environment is changing quickly. Um, we're in a new market. It's a young company. We don't always know exactly what it is. Right. And so we do our best, but sometimes we don't know. Well, yeah, and that also you know mirrors mirrors exactly to the problem buyers have. Is yeah, you know, people talk about you know we need to map out the buyer's journey. Okay, great, admirable goal, but as again, a lot of authors will acknowledge is yeah, the buyers don't know what it is either. I mean, it's not like it's not like you know buying software like Logs.io sells. It's not like they do that often, right? Mm-hmm. So so why would they have a process mapped out for? buying that particular application. They don't. Well, one of my reps said to me the other day as he was on a discovery call and he said, God, it's so frustrating to be on a discovery call when the questions you're asking, the prospect doesn't know the answers to. So it's not even that it's not even that they're you're having a hard time getting to them because they don't want to answer or you don't have the right person. They don't know. They don't know what the answers are. Like they, they haven't, they're not educated enough with regards to the problem or in our case, log sure. management analytics. But um, I think that sometimes I, I'm sure our uh, VC partners feel frustrated with me sometimes when I'm on a call with the recruiters and they'll be pushing me for what I'm looking for. And right. it's like, you can keep asking me. You keep asking me the question, and I'm going to try to answer, but I didn't know five minutes ago. You rephrase it. I still don't know. Yeah. Yeah. These are the things I do know, but that part I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, a perfect sales issue. All right, Bridget, unfortunately, we're out of time on episode 100. I love it, Andy. 100. This is a, I would drink champagne. Well, it's 530. I could, except I have more work to do. I'll do it later. In celebration. All right. Well, we'll have to do it when we're in the same same place at the same time. Sometime. Yes. 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 All right. We'll figure that one out. All right. Bridget, as always, fantastic friends. As always, thank you for joining us here today on Frontline Fridays. Make sure you come back. Join us next week for another episode of Frontline Friday. Number 101. Number 101. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. 